0: Are you ready to get going this morning Uh, or to continue uh, in how the Spirit's moving, all the Lord's doing? I'm excited. We've got some special guests this morning with us uh, in Michael and Elisa French. And they are here uh, with us this morning, and Michael is going to be preaching and teaching. So just very excited to have them. And I know many of you uh, know Noah. You know Noah French, and uh, he's been a part of this church family for Quite some time now. He's such a blessing. Uh, every all of you that know him and, um, and have been around him know what a gift he is to this family and to the body of Christ. And he, he serves so well and so faithfully here. And so uh, I tell you, Michael uh, and Elisa, this morning I'll just introduce you as uh, as Noah's parents. How how's that work? Uh, <laughs> so we got so Noah's dad, uh, Michael French, is going to be preaching and teaching this morning. Uh, uh, get ready for a blessing. Uh, we are just very honored and overjoyed to have him come preach and teach. He has a, has a, a gift in uh, preaching and teaching on dreams and dream interpretation, which I know he'll be talking more about, amongst many other things, has such prophetic insight. Uh, and I know every time I'm with you, Michael, or talk to you, uh, I just come away from it with new revelation and so much richer in the Lord. And but you're not only a blessing to me, but uh, to this whole church family. Uh, in a couple weeks after Easter, we're going to be sharing more with you. But Michael has actually been very instrumental. Uh, In uh, some exciting things that are taking place here at the church in regards to purchasing this uh, property and building that we're in And he's just been very instrumental and such a blessing in that process And so we're going to tell you more about that and all this uh, exciting news uh, in a couple weeks Um, But we thank you for that as well, Michael And it feels like you're you're here not as a guest, you're just part of the family just part of the family, Michael and Elisa. They have a uh, a ministry called Patria Ministries, and basically, Michael describes it. He's a pastor to pastors, um, missionaries, ministry leaders across the U.S. and all over the world, and he's ministered internationally. Um, and he is uh, what I love talking about him with as well as just uh, he's a father. He's a father to many and to his own boys, and so um, we're 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 honored to have you, Michael. We love you, and can we just show uh, get ready to receive from the Lord through through Michael, and can we just show Michael as he comes a big welcome and a lot of love and honor? Come on, Michael, Michael French, love you.
1: All right, let's see. Did we? Did I get the, this thing turned on? Yeah, I, I can even hear myself. This is good. All right well it's exciting to be here with you i'm sorry that noah was embarrassed noah was embarrassed and uh... decided to stay away uh... then uh, i he's i told him i was gonna say that so i had to say it um, he's at work this morning so he had a job this morning and uh... i told him i'm gonna i'm gonna embarrass you since you're not there i would probably have embarrassed you if you were there so i'll just go ahead and embarrass you if you're not there so um i'm excited to be with you guys this morning um, uh, Jeremy had called and, and talked to me and we talked a little bit about uh, sharing and speaking on the concept of dreams and dream interpretation. And and I'm going to broaden that out just a little bit because that's really what dreams and dream interpretation is about. It's more than just dreams. It's really about hearing God's voice and for each of us to be able to hear God's voice for ourselves, And that's a big deal. You know, if somebody gives you a prophetic word. They're hearing from God, and they're telling you something that God said to you. But when you have a dream, whether you understand it yourself or whether somebody has to help you with it, you're hearing from God, and if there's a dream interpreter who's helping you, all they're doing is helping you understand what God already said to you. And so I love the concept of dreams because it's about the topic of each of us hearing from God for ourselves. Each of us hearing him directly speak to us in some way. Now, when we talk about hearing God, whether it be dreams or any other way, one of the things we have to consider and think about is the fact that, you know I know some of you are going to deny this, but the real idea is that when we think about hearing from God, what we really want is if God would just talk out loud to us and tell us exactly what he wants. If you really get down to it, that's how we want to hear him. We want him just to be straightforward and direct, and we'd really like it to hear him exactly the way you're hearing me, with my voice coming through the speakers and vibrating on your eardrums, and you hearing an audible voice. How many of you would really like for God to speak to you audibly? You think that would be? Do you think that that'd make things easier? Wouldn't? It? Who thinks it'd be easier? I, I got a few few who didn't raise their hand on it. it would be easier. I'm going to go with a few who, did, who, raised, who didn't raise their hand. I'm not sure it would be easier. We think it would be easier. We think it would be better if God just talked out loud to us in direct, but there are some issues that come up with how direct God is with us. And there are also some issues that come up with how we hear him in general. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you it another way. How many of you believe that if God stepped into this room in, a, in, in, in any fashion, physically or spiritually, and spoke out loud, audibly spoke, how many of you believe that we would all hear him? I'm proud of you. Look at that. I've only got two or three who missed that question. How many of you would believe if God spoke out loud in this room today that everybody would hear him? Now, go ahead, because maybe you didn't understand. Who, who, who's on board with everybody would hear him if he spoke out loud? So I've still got a smattering of folks there who believe they would all hear him, and a group that says they're not sure, and then there's the group who just doesn't answer anything. <laughs> and so we're set, Okay. Let's look at something this morning. Let's look at Luke, I'm sorry, not Luke, let's look at John, John chapter 12. We're going to read a story there you've probably heard before, but you may not have thought about it. John chapter 12, verse 28 through 30, and I promise you I'm not, I'm going to come to some of you who knew I was coming to talk about dreams are saying, well, just talk about dreams, get over this, right? Uh, I I promise you we're going to talk about this, but I want you to see this concept. John chapter 12, verse 28 through 30, begins with the audible voice of God. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. That's the audible voice of God speaking into the atmosphere. The crowd stood there and heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake and not for mine. Now, I want you to look at this passage from a different light this morning. God spoke audibly to his son, and everybody didn't hear it. Some people thought it thundered. In other words, they heard something but they couldn't discern what was being said. Some people said, well, it was an angel that spoke. So they heard what was said, but couldn't discern who it was that was saying it. And then hopefully we had a few people who actually heard the audible voice with exactly what was spoken. But the implication is that there were some people there who didn't hear anything at all. And this is one of two or three instances in Scripture where we see God speaking out loud with an audible voice. Some people didn't hear anything. say, okay, well, I got it, it's okay, that was for Jesus, because, I mean, look at what he says. I have glorified it and will glorify it again in response to Jesus talking. That was for Jesus, so everybody wasn't supposed to hear it. Then we've got a problem with verse 30. Because Jesus said, this voice did not come for my sake, it came for your sake. Well, if God wasn't speaking audibly to Jesus, you can't get by with saying, well, everybody didn't hear it because he wasn't speaking to them. It didn't come for Jesus' sake, it came for the crowd's sake, and it was the crowd who struggled to hear him. So now we have to ask ourselves, if God spoke out loud in this room today, would everybody hear his voice? And the answer has to be I hope so, but probably not. So, what's the distinction? It doesn't matter whether we're talking about an audible voice or we're talking about dreams. Because we can get this idea that if God spoke audibly, it would be easy to hear and understand. But when he speaks through something that's metaphorical and symbolic and sort of uh, this this mystical way of talking, or even, even maybe it's the still small voice or what wells up in my heart and my stirring up that I sort of feel like he's saying, that's harder to hear. We can say all that, but the bottom line is, His voice is not hard to hear at all if our relationship with Him is in the correct position. It doesn't matter how He speaks if we're near Him. Because if we're close to God, who heard every word that God spoke in that setting? And who was the closest to God in that setting? Jesus. So we have this distance issue that comes into play and it's not about number of feet away from somebody it's about the relationship of the heart where am i in my relationship with god will determine how well i hear him and it makes no difference whether that's audible or dreams or anything else in between it's the relationship that changes how i hear now we've got another issue that arises here and this one comes from the idea that we believe that if I really need to hear from God, if I'm struggling and I'm not hearing him well, then he ought to yell. I mean, let's just face it. If, if, if I have distanced myself from God in some way, because, you know, he doesn't run away from me. Is me backing up from him that's the problem. If I've distanced myself from him in some way, then he needs to talk louder so that I can hear him. Now, here's the problem with this one we're gonna pick Sound Man in the back. I think I know who that is, but I can't see real clear. But, all right, yeah, okay, good. So we, we've, got, we've got Mr. Springer in the back, okay? And, and you're a good ways away from me. Would you do what I ask you to do if I told you something? He would do it, okay? So, would you stand up, please? Would you wave at everybody? This is how we want God to treat us. But now let's take just a minute and think about it a different way. Because that's not the way God treats us. He does it something like this. Anybody know what I'm saying to him? Even in the front row? Come here. Did you hear come here? There's our problem. So what are you talking about? When we get far from God, he doesn't shout. Because if he shouts, we'll stay back there. So when we get away from him, he's never going to shout at you to get your life back in order. He's going to whisper, come here. Why? Because it draws us back near to him. And it brings us back into his presence where he can talk to us. Where he can speak to us. And remember, it's not about where we're located that determines whether we hear him or not. It's about how close we are to him. So why would he ever shout? He's always going to whisper. Even when his voice is audible and coming through speaker systems, it's going to be a whisper because he wants us to come near to him to hear him. This is why I love dreams. They cause us to have to go to Holy Spirit and say, what in the world are you talking about? This makes absolutely no sense because dreams don't always make sense. You ever had those dreams where, you know, nothing in it made sense because you're swimming underwater and you find a car that drives like it was a submarine and then you realize you're breathing but you're not supposed to be able to and suddenly the car shoots out of the water and flies, you know, all this kind of stuff. Are you building a house. You build a house and the wind is just hanging in the air. And then you build everything else around it. None of that stuff makes sense. Because God doesn't have to make sense in our natural mind. He wants us to see what he's trying to convey instead. And he's a gentleman. He's gracious to you. I want you to understand the concept of why he would, piece, why would He speak to us in dark speech, is what scripture calls it. How many speak to us in symbolism and metaphor and riddles and places where we have to ask the question, why? Well, one answer we've already determined. That is so we'll ask him why. Because that draws us into relationship, right? But there's another really, really good reason, because a lot of you indicated that you would like for God just to speak out loud, and then the other thing I asked in a little different way, and you also responded to that one, was you would like for him just to be clear and direct. Let's let's recheck on that one. How many of you just really, no matter how he speaks to you, want it to be clear and direct so you don't have any doubt about what he said? How many of you would like that? We're going to ask you that question again in just a second. Because, I'm going to make you dig for it yourself, but go back to the book of Exodus. And you'll see two stories about a man named Moses. And in the first story, Moses comes across a rock in the middle of the wilderness. And everybody's thirsty. And so he's telling God that everybody's thirsty and they need some water. And God says, okay, Moses, how about just striking that rock? And I'll bring water out of the rock and everybody can have something to drink. And so Moses strikes the rock. Water flows out of the rock. Everybody's thirst is satisfied. Now we come to the second story. Everybody's thirsty again. Moses finds another rock. He goes to God and he says, God, could we get some water again? Because everybody's thirsty. And God says, sure, Moses, speak to that rock. And Moses takes his staff, and what does he do? Whack. He strikes the rock. Now think about this. Moses did nothing except exactly what God said to him the previous time. But he didn't do what God said to him that time. Pretty clear, it's not a big confusion in what God was saying. Strike the rock, speak to the rock. If you want to read it in Hebrew, the words are actually even more different than they are for us. Strike and speak don't even sound alike. It's not even something you got mixed up with because they started with the same letter. Moses strikes the rock when God said, speak to the rock. And do you remember what the result was? We think of it being pretty harsh. He doesn't get to go into the promised land. And basically, he dies. Why? Because he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. But Think about that for just a minute. It wasn't that he struck or he spoke. It was that he heard from God clearly and directly. And he was a man who often heard from God clearly and and, directly, and thus he was a man who was expected to be obedient to God clearly and directly. When God speaks to us directly and clearly, there is a standard set that says we must be clearly obedient. When God speaks to us in metaphor and dreams and symbolism and riddles and his still small voice and an impression in my heart... We have to have some time to figure it out. And thus what God is saying is, I'm going to give you a chance to get this right. Take your time with it. Now, how would you like for God to speak to you? Clearly and directly? Or in metaphor? Okay? Suddenly this very thing that we thought was confusing and difficult becomes an amazing act of grace and mercy to get us to a place where we have an opportunity to learn obedience so that God doesn't have to judge us for not paying attention to what he said. Because we're in a process and we're having to dig in and God knows that he didn't give us the exact direction in a clear, concise way, and that we're going to have to work our way through it. So now we come to dreams. Because dreams are the ultimate picture in my mind of how God speaks to us in a mysterious way. Now, I'm going to challenge you with something here because I think we define dreams particularly dreams and visions, I think we define them wrong. If I said to you, who has had a dream in the last week? Most of you are going to say, yes, because we all dream. You may not remember them, but we all dream. Matter of fact, science is going to tell you that your brain's not working right, and you're going to die if you don't dream. It's a part of the process that gets you through sleep, okay? That's one of the reasons science doesn't think a whole lot about the spiritual nature of dreams. It's just a biological function that keeps you alive. And so if I ask you how many of you had a dream in the last week, most of the people in the room are either going to say yes, or they're not going to answer because they don't remember it, but they could have said yes, they've had a dream. But they're going to say they had a dream because they're thinking about one category of dreams. That is what happened in my mind or my spirit or my soul last night while I was asleep? And if, as a church, I ask you how many of you have seen a vision, you're going to mostly say no. I know how this goes. As, a, as I'm not going to make you raise your hands. But most of the people in the room will say no, I haven't seen a vision because we think open vision. I saw this play out in front of me with my natural eyes and there was a movie screen that played something out. So that's dream and vision for us and the way we talk about them. Only problem there is it doesn't work biblically. Because we have a story in the book of Daniel. Um, again, I'm not going to give you chapters and verses. I'm going to make you go back and read it. okay? And listen, I do this for two reasons. I'm getting old and I forget where things are at. And number two... You really ought to go check it out for yourself anyway and not believe it just because I said it. I don't want you to ever believe something because I say it. Matter of fact, I'm going to take a risk here. I don't want you to ever believe anything because anybody stands up here and says it, not even your own pastors. You be Berean. You go dig it out for yourself, and once you confirm that it's from God, then you believe it, not because they told you, but because they revealed something to you that God then affirmed in your heart. That's the best way to do it, okay? So I I will use my lack of memory for Scripture references to help help you out. That's what it's all about. (laughs) So we look in the book of Daniel, and in the first several chapters, what we're going to find out is that Daniel has lots of dreams and visions. If you read through the book of Daniel, you'll find the most references to dreams and visions of any book in the Bible. But here's the problem. Check it out carefully and you're going to find that Daniel has visions inside of dreams and dreams inside of visions and visions at night while asleep on his bed bed and dreams in the day while he's awake and walking around. Which means I have a dream at night in my mind's eye and I have a vision in the day when I open my eyes and see it doesn't work is our interpretation of what those two words mean. So I'm going to give you a little alternative. Dreams are about God speaking to you in metaphor, in his picture language, in some fashion that requires you to ask him what did that mean, while visions are much more of the literal, in the same way similar to what we said we wanted, the audible voice of God. It doesn't have to be his voice, it could be just something that's absolutely clear and direct and literal and there's not really any question about what it was that was said. If we define dreams and visions in that way, we're now talking about every way God speaks to us, whether it's metaphorical or it's direct. And now we can ask ourselves, why again? I mean, what's the nature of God besides just wanting to keep from having to judge me? Why would he ever choose to use dreams in the first place? I mean, do you understand something? The Hebrews, the the Jews living in the Old Testament time and up through the time of Jesus and even after, there was a belief in their mind that if you went a week without having a dream, not just a dream, but a dream from God, he was mad at you. That's how much they believed God spoke to us through metaphor. Pictures. I take it another step. When God chose to give the Hebrews a written language, he gave them language in writing that was full of pictographs. Think hieroglyphics. Where a picture represented a concept instead of letters being put together to make a word. He gave them pictographs. We'll go one more step. What is the most common way that Jesus taught principles to the people around him? Parables. What's a parable? It's a story. It's a word picture. Every one of us, when we read a parable, we have a picture in our mind's eye of how that parable is playing out. We see the good Samaritan laying on the ground, the the, uh, traveler laying on the ground. And the Good Samaritan walking by after the priest and the Levite have come and passed him by and going and picking him up. We see it. We probably even have a picture in our mind that we've decided, I don't know about you, but when I read books and things, I know movies mess me up when they make them off books because the characters don't look like what I pictured them in my mind. My story of the Good Samaritan, if I ever meet him in heaven, I'm going to think, you didn't look like that. That's not what I thought. You know, because I have a picture of what he ought to have looked like. That's what a parable is about. It's to create a mental picture, a word. God may be speaking through parables through Jesus, but he's still giving you metaphor. Remember, because everybody didn't understand the parables. They needed to be interpreted. And oftentimes, Jesus is the one who interprets his own story. And so we see this process playing out that we need the interpretation we need to understand it we need to be able to figure out what was being said and we've struggled with it just wasn't direct enough and the enemy slipped in and said okay well That's such a good way God can speak to you through dreams and stories and pictures and images. I'm just going to steal all that from you, and I'm going to give it to the new age. And if I give it to the new age, then the church has to reject it. The church won't like it because the occult is using it. Or or even better, he started it before that. He started it with some guys named Freud and Jung who just put psychological principles to understanding dreams, and everything got an individual definition in the picture language of God. So now he says, I can mess them up. I'll get them all off kilter by giving them these psychological interpretations to particular symbols and pictures, and we won't give them the right ones, and we won't teach them to go to the Holy Spirit and ask them if it's the right one. We'll just say, if you apply these principles, you can understand your dream. And then he went a step further and he had Young open dream interpretation centers Weird. Does anybody remember Young where he opened his dream interpretation centers? In the church. And he was horrible. I'm not going to speak to him as a person, but his view of God was really, really bad. His view of God, he, he had a dream. This defined his view of God. He had a dream that he went to the underworld and there was a throne in the underworld and he saw God, the creator of everything, come and descend and sit upon the throne in the underworld and it was a piece of human feces that sat on the throne. That was Young's view of God and he opened dream interpretation centers in the church. What's the problem here? The enemy has stolen a beautiful way that God speaks to us. And we've gone from the Hebrew mindset that if God doesn't give you a dream within a week, if you go a week without it, something's wrong. Two, why do I care about dreams? That's all psychological new age stuff. And I'm not going to try and defend dreams for you this morning. I could do it through Scripture, but I'm going to do it a really easy way. Scripture tells us, for time's sake, I'm going to do it this way. Scripture tells us that we are to guard ourselves from false dreams. Several places in the Old Testament, check it out, be careful of false dreams. If we don't have real dreams, why does he warn us about false dreams? If we don't have real dreams, just say, don't pay attention to dreams. Instead, he says, be careful of false dreams. So we're not listening often to something that God is saying to us because it's picture language, it's metaphor, it needs interpretation. We have to have help with it. And yet it's the very place He wants to speak to us to make it the easiest for us to follow Him because it draws us close and it makes us ask. And I don't care how He speaks to you, that's the best way even if he's talking out loud it's better to be close and ask questions but we're worried it's been tainted by the enemy that whole picture language thing has been tainted by the enemy if I got time to do this I'm gonna do it anyway um I'm gonna do it quick so who's got a 20 dollar bill I can borrow because I don't have one anybody you got one right there good This is the rich person in the room. Okay, I'll step back up here. If not, you're still going to be blessed and be richer, so how's that? Okay, $20 bill. Here's what we know about a $20 bill. The $20 bill, according to the U.S. Treasury and the Secret Service, is the most counterfeited piece of money in the entire world. It's counterfeited more than any other denomination. You'd think, counterfeit hundreds, right? Because you get more out of each one. No, the $20 bill is the most counterfeited bill in the world. We know from the Drug Enforcement Agency that about 80 to 90% of $20 bills have traces of cocaine and other illegal drugs on them at any given time which says there's a really good chance, a pretty strong chance, that this $20 bill is either counterfeited or corrupted by drugs if they wanted to test it if you got pulled over this afternoon. You don't want it back, do you? (laughs) Does anybody want it? (laughs) There's the key, right? We'll still take it back because it has value. And we trust the value of that 20 more than we're worried about the counterfeit and the corrupt. If we're worried about the counterfeit and the corrupt too much, we don't want the real thing. But if we're focused on the real thing, we're not concerned about the counterfeit and the corrupt. You need to be close enough to God in relationship with Him that when he shows you something in his picture language, you can say, what did you mean? I want to place value on that. Instead of, I'm not interested, it might be problematic. Now, we don't, we, we're only just scratching the surface this morning, if you want the truth. I did not even talked to you about how do you understand the dream, so I'm going to take about three minutes before I close, and give you the key. I, I, can, I can give you the answer in one sentence because God doesn't use formulas and procedures. How do you understand a dream? Ask Holy Spirit. I can give you lots of tips. In fact, I could teach for about, I don't know, about 30 hours or so because I've done it in formal settings with all sorts of tips and tricks and practices for how do you understand and how do you hear what Holy Spirit's saying when He answers you? But you want to know what the bottom line is: you get close enough to Him that you can ask, and you recognize that He's probably going to speak to you in a metaphorical, picture way more than He does directly. And so that when you experience something and it just feels like it's important. You ask. See, most of us don't weigh it to see if it feels important, and so we don't ask. But if we'll begin to weigh the picture, and see, I told you this goes beyond dreams. This goes to when I look around a room. Things I see. Does God draw my attention to things? When you're up leading worship this morning, actually in the back, am I messing up cameras and things when I do this? Okay. When in the back even, I notice something, right? Two things. It's hard to miss the tattoo, right? Okay, it's hard to miss, but I also notice these glasses. So I can say to myself, big deal, you know, yeah, they're cool glasses and it's a neat tattoo. Or I can say, why was my attention drawn to that explicitly and if my attention was drawn to it was God saying something and he was he was saying to you that he's about to open up something new for you in the way you see him he's about to give you new eyes to see and he's taking you to a higher level where you're going to see a bigger picture but not only that he's about to use your voice not for you to be transformed, but to transform people around you because of what they hear, not only in what you sing, but what in what you say. If I'm not paying attention to God's picture language, I don't get that word from God. I'm just going to be honest. I don't, I mean it literally for me because I don't hear very much in a God just spoke to me and I give a prophetic word way. I hear far more in I see a picture, and God shows me what it means. Now, I said I would give you a couple of sentences on how to know what those things mean. Here's another one. It still comes back to asking Holy Spirit, but pick out what the image, what's important in it. If it's a dream, what's the most important symbol? If it's a billboard, if it's a car tag, if it's the clock, Please, though, however, don't just post on your Facebook page like every week. It's, every day it's 11-11 or something like that. Because it's 11-11 twice every day. And for one day of the year, it's 11-11 all day and twice that day. Okay? I, I don't get caught up with just seeing things where they're not there. That's what I'm trying to say. But when God draws your, t- draws your attention to it, pay attention. Ask yourself, what's the character of that image? What's its qualities? What are its, what are its characteristics, its qualities, its attributes? What's its nature? Why would God have drawn my attention to it? What about that picture would make Holy Spirit have something to say to me? And then ask, which one was it? And see if he doesn't speak to you. Now, that's a really shortcut version of how you interpret dreams, okay? But that's the key. When I look, I see glasses. What do we use glasses for? To see better. So God's saying something about what he's about to see. Oh, yeah, but it's glasses. That's just what it means. That's what every picture's like. It's just what it means. It's what was God saying in that moment. The tattoo on his neck, it's around his throat, where the voice comes from, right? And I don't even know what it is, but it looked like a butterfly to me. This is the key. It may be, but it doesn't matter whether it was a butterfly or not. It looked like one to me. So for me, I don't care what the tattoo actually is. It looked like a butterfly to me. I'm going to ask God what he's doing with a butterfly and get transformation, right? You go in a cocoon, you come out looking different. You're not a caterpillar anymore. But then I have to hear beyond that because now God says, but that's not about him transforming. That's about others being transforming by what comes from his throat, okay? Okay. So now I'm in conversation with God, and I've moved from just a picture to now God talking to me, but it's still about the symbols, so I still have grace. And it's a beautiful way to hear it. I don't want you to get caught up in it and go weird on me, but I do want you to start paying attention both to what you dream at night when you're asleep and the dream you have when you look at a person, and the dream you have when you see a picture in nature, and the dream you had with the movie that you went to see, and the dream you have when you picked a particular book to read, and the dream you have when you look at the banners on the side of the bed, And who cares about them most of the time? But when God stirs something in you about that image, stop and ask. see how your world changes because if I did a poll and I want because I don't have time and because I'm not going to embarrass you if I did a poll in here right now and I said how many of you are absolutely certain that God has spoken to you in the last 24 hours very few hands would go up I know enough from enough churches from around the world that I don't have to have you raise your hands But I guarantee you, God has spoken to you in the last 24 hours. You just didn't pay attention and realize it. Why in the world would God waste, most of us on average, sleep about eight hours a night over the lifetime? Younger we sleep more, older we sleep less, maybe, but about eight, well, some some younger we sleep less, but, you know, uh, about eight hours a night. That's a third of the day. By the time you're 60 years old, you've been asleep 20 years. Why would God waste 20 years? He, sp- he spoke to you in your dreams, whether you knew it or not. That's how I can guarantee you he's spoken to you in the last 24 hours, if you pay attention to it. And that doesn't even take into account all the other ways that he probably also spoke. I may be talking about dreams, but the heart of what I had to say today was get close to him and pay attention. Start looking for how he's talking to you rather than waiting for him to speak audibly. And see how different things become. Because when we start valuing the fact that we believe he's speaking to us, you're going to start recognizing him speaking to you way more often. All right? Come play something. Let's just see. I, I'm on a close, but I just want to make sure God's not doing something in particular before I do. You're, did I, was that okay to say it that way? Come play something. I right? acted like I'm just... <laughs> Like I'm in charge or something. Would you mind playing? That's a much better way to say that. I also think God happens to have a sense of humor. And I find I hear him a whole lot better in light and levity than I do in the deep seriousness of religion. I love the spirituality of God. I love having fun and just seeing what he does in the midst of it. Let me, let me get over my stress. I know I'm past 12. Am I okay for about five more minutes? Are we all right? If somebody needs to go, look, trust me, do, do your offering and stuff. Don't not take care of the church stuff, but you're okay. I'm okay if you leave. It's like You won't hurt my feelings. I don't want to hold somebody who needs to go, but I feel like I just need to wait a minute because I'm seeing some things and hearing some things and feeling some things, and I don't want to bypass those. Too many times we stay too long just because we think it's important to stay or we go too quick just because we're in a hurry. Somewhere there's a balance in there where we just wait on God and if he doesn't have anything, we're done. We don't have to make him do something. But I'm feeling some things, so it's okay if we just wait for a minute. Because when I see you, tell me me your name right here. You're the one. Stand up. Because when I see you, Chancey, is that it? When I see you, the thing that drew my attention to you was two things. One was your red sweater, and the other was that just as I looked at you, you laid your head over on your friend's shoulder. Okay? So I want you to I'm a teacher, so I'm not even going to minister without teaching. So just deal with it. Um, It's a sort of orangey-red. What color do you call it? because I may not be even seeing it right. The cardinal red, okay. I love it. I see it as this kind of orangey red, but I'm going to take the cardinal red too because in what I'm seeing for you, I'm seeing the Lord bringing peace into your life. In some places where there's been a real struggle and a real hardship, and you've really had to endure some things and just press through some things, things haven't always been easy for you. And there's a patience and an endurance you've had to walk through. And sometimes you've been ready to just say, I quit. I give up. But it's in those times when you've had to lean on people around you. And you've had to trust that somebody was going to be there to support you. And you see, you've moved from a place of just having to endure to a place where you're about to be put forward. A cardinal's a bird that's easy to see in the snow and the ice because it stands out. That pure background of the snow around it draws out the color in its life. And while you've been through a lot of tough stuff, there's a purity behind you that God has set. There's a backdrop to make you visible. And there's people beginning to see you, not who you thought you were, and that's what you were created for. I bless you with that, and I hope it means something for you. What is it? Daniel. Daniel. All right, Daniel. Your hat's on backwards. Just didn't know if you realized that or not. So there's two things, and I noticed this. I'm, I, see, see, I, it's not important for me to look like I'm real prophetic. It's important for me to let you know how God talks to me because it's, if you get a little feel of how he talks to me, then we get past this issue of God said, and everybody thinking we have to hear him with our ears. When God said something, he may have shown it, he may have said it, he may have implied it, There's so, but when we hear people say, I heard or I saw we get a mental picture of what they meant and then we think we can't do it okay when I see you, what I heard God saying was uh, that, that you don't do things the way other people do them and there have been times when you feel like you may be more of an offense for the kingdom than you are a support for the kingdom there may be times when you feel like you may be you may cause more, I don't mean this in a bad way but you you may cause more trouble than you help so to speak because you want to get it right but you don't always feel like who you are is setting the picture the way you want it to and God said don't change who you are he created you to be exactly who you are and The very fact that you don't do things the way other people do them, and you don't say things the way other people say them, and you don't respond the way other people respond, is part of how He created you. And He's created you to reach a people and to reach a community that other people can't reach because they don't listen to them, they don't believe in them, they don't trust them. And He's given you an ability to be different in order to be able to reach a community that wouldn't be reached if you weren't different. So there's value in who you are. Now, I don't know that you've ever just felt like, I'm not worth anything. I don't think it's that way. But I think it is you need the assurance that who you are is exactly who you were created to be. And it's going to take you exactly where you need to go. Amen? Bless you. I didn't stand up. Okay, sit down. I just, I didn't want, I did not want to be offensive in that I made you stand up and I let him sit down. I just realized, so I wanted to be careful here, okay? All right. I, I See, I, I'm in a high point right now because I just spent the weekend in outreach, and I'll... I'll make some of you not even want to ever hear me again when I say what I was doing this weekend, but I spent the weekend running around in the woods with a group of LGBTQ plus pagans uh, playing a LARPing game. You know what LARPing is? Yeah, I was LARPing all weekend, uh, which means I was role-playing in a full costume and 24-7 immersion in a character, and I happened to play a zombie apocalypse, so I spent the weekend killing zombies in the woods in Georgia because there's a group of people there who would never set foot in this church never and God has given me favor with them and they love hanging out with me and they love asking me questions and so I go and create a dream for them because I play a character who has the light of the creator inside of him and when they ask I'm willing to share they don't ask, I don't share. I just kill zombies with them. Because it's a lot better to be asked to share your story than it is to tell somebody they need to listen to your story. Not saying you should never tell them. I'm saying live your life so people ask. Live your life so people ask. Find the place. I feel like I'm supposed to say this now close. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this find the place that you're called to that nobody else can reach find the place that you're called to that's uncomfortable for other folks find the place you're called to where people are sick instead of spending all your time ministering to people who are well find a place where your friends become non-believers instead of all your friends being believers because that's the way Jesus spent his time he hung out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors because they were sick He didn't hang out with the religious folks who were supposed to be well. He hung out with the people who were sick. Find your place. I went to this event. I wish I could tell you the whole story, but I went to this event. And after about a year and a half, I'm sitting having a conversation with a young lady. And they require you, if anybody knows anything about LARPing, they require you to distinguish when you're in character from when you're out of character and so to distinguish that what you have to do at this game is that you put your hand on your head like this and you look like an idiot and so if i'm talking to you like this this is me michael french talking to you and if i'm talking to you like this this is me dreamer that's my character's name dreamer talking to you and so i'm sitting having a conversation about game-based faith which is not christianity it's called sainthood which is I can't explain it, it's a metaphor, it's a picture, it's about light. And we're having this conversation, and she looks at me, and she goes, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. (laughs) But I'm probably not like any Christian you've met before here's the kicker because all this is picture this is all picture language this is what I'm there doing it's picture language it's God's symbolism to them and it tears walls down because they'll listen to that when they don't want to hear the gospel preached but they'll listen to the pictures it's how she knew I was a Christian she saw a picture in me people are looking at the picture in you she says this, is, this broke my heart she says I said you know I won't keep doing this she said, but we, we were in the game. We were still there. She says, she, she, I said, uh, Well, I'm probably not like any Christian you've ever met, and this is what broke my heart. She said, That's the truth. And I said, What do you mean? And she goes, Listen now. She said, I cried just trying to tell you. You love us. What does that say about the other Christians she'd met? Do you understand how God's picture language can not only change you, but it can change the world of people around you? Let's pray for you. i got to let you go home. Or to lunch, whichever one it is. Stand up, if you will. If you, if you can say yes to this, I want you to say amen at the end of the prayer. I'm going to pray for you rather than trying to explain it. I'm just going to pray for you. And if you can agree with it, I want you to say yes. Amen, that is. If you don't, nobody's going to know if you don't say amen, mouth it or whatever, if you're worried about it. But I don't want you to say amen unless you agree, okay? Because I'm about to ask God to do something in your life, to start revealing Himself through pictures through dreams, through metaphors and to start making you a greater picture of his presence and putting you in front of people who need to see you. Okay, so if you can agree you want him to do that, then you can say amen. If not, just nobody knows. We're not having an altar call. We're not, you know, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't, all those kinds. of, just amen at the end. Okay? So Father, in the name of Jesus, Will you open up our understanding to hear you in a new way? Will you speak to us, Lord? We're not going to pursue you any longer for the big, open, audible stuff. We just want to get close enough to you to hear you whisper. Would you speak to us through metaphors and dreams and pictures and symbols? Would you draw us near the Holy Spirit to understand what they mean? And most of all, Father, would you start to make our lives a picture of you so that the people around us see you in us and not us in us? And then would you paint us in the presence of the very people who are hurting so bad they need to see us? Would you send us to the wounded and the broken Would you send us to the very people we didn't care about yesterday, but you put a compassion in our heart for us, for them today. Would you change the world around us everywhere we go because people see the picture of you in us. In Jesus' name.